Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my guest is Jennifer Taub. She is a law professor and she's the author of the book Big Dirty Money. Today, we're going to be talking about all the latest headlines as well as Jen's predictions on what might happen with Trump and his legal woes. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash start me up. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash start me up. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Jennifer Taub. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thanks for having me, Kimberly. Well, I'm excited to have you. And I just have to tell everybody before we get going, um, I've got some issues. I'm working with my Wi-Fi. It's, it's problematic today. So please send your good, uh, good mojo for the smooth sailing because, you know, that technology stuff is no fun. But I'm really excited to talk to you. I, I enjoy your Twitter feed. I like your takes. I have a lot of questions for you. But before we get into politics, I want to know a little about you. I want you to tell my listeners who you are. And I know you're a law professor. So what area of law do you focus on? I focus on anything that you could call follow the money. <laughs> so my areas are everything from contract law to securities regulation, banking regulation, the financial crisis, money laundering, and most recently, tax evasion. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, I will be asking you about that a little later. Now, and you wrote a book called Big Dirty Money. And tell us about that. Yeah. So that book came out in 2020 and the paperback just this past fall. And it was looking at the way that white collar crime is an avenue for social and economic advancement for the rich and well-connected and what we might do about that. Uh, And I think some of the good news is some of the ideas I put in the book looks like are happening over at the Justice Department. I'm very happy to see the Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco there. Okay. And so what is what is happening specifically that you wrote about you see happening in the DOJ that you're happy about, if that makes any sense, <laughs> if I just said that correctly? Yeah, it, it, uh, well, I think number one is making it really clear, which they've done first through speeches and then through action, that the days of slap on the wrists look the other way for corporate offenders is over so in particular uh you know lisa monaco made and by the way as a deputy attorney general that's second in command Mm -hmm. under merrick garland and it's traditionally the deputy attorney general who uh deals with the who articulate the corporate prosecution policy and by corporate that means kind of i mean that and they have defined it to mean um any kind of business organization even if it's a partnership and so on Mm -hmm. Um, at any rate So she has articulated a corporate prosecution policy, um, which, you know, similar to what um, Sally Yates tried to do at the end of the Obama administration, which is to say, you know, individuals will also be held accountable. Mm -hmm. The most important thing that Lisa Monaco has done is to say that these, um, you know, that repeat offenders, Mm -hmm. organizations who were um, got the kind of um, 
you know, it's it's not a plea bargain. It's different. Um, they kind of it's called a deferred prosecution agreement or a non-prosecution agreement where they say, okay, um, if you're really good for three years and you don't crime anymore, <laughs> well, you know, you can. Um, we won't charge you. Or we won't continue this prosecution. And the trouble is, they often these big companies would reoffend, and nothing would happen. And and uh, she said, yeah, no, hmm. um, we're going to. Uh, we're not going to let that happen again. Wow. And she's, you know, she's she's making that very clear in the in the policies. That's great because I mean, so in the enforcement, yeah, right. Go ahead, and sorry, I was just going to say though, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. So many people on Twitter are constantly expressing cynicism when it comes to anybody, you know, especially white collar white collar criminals getting caught. Oh, they always get away with everything. We're so used to it. And it's not to say that every person who commits a crime, a white-collar crime, gets away with it. But, yeah, it's something we've become accustomed to, to watch them walk. So that is great news, and I'm glad to hear it. So I saw you posted on Twitter, um, and it was, it was about Pence talking about Donald Trump being wrong. You said you thought you saw a dam breaking. And then after that, we saw McConnell call 1-6 a violent insurrection, and then I know that more than 140 conservatives condemn the RNC for censuring Cheney and Kinzinger. So elaborate on that. Thank you. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that tweet because there were some people who agreed and said, I really hope so, and there are others who, you know, did kind of LOL emojis <laughs> at me as right. if I was uh, <laughs> naive and, and so on. And um, I'm a little bit in between the hopeful and the laughing at myself because there's part of me that feels like, um, you know, I'm about to be facing, you know, running toward Lucy who's holding a football and she's going to pull it out from under my kick like I'm Charlie Brown. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, but here's the deal. The, um, The dam breaking is that more and more people are starting with Trump, Trump, I'm sorry, starting with Pence, (laughs) comfortable to denounce Trumpism, not just Trump, Mm -hmm. but his followers. Mm -hmm. And the Republican Party right now is divided, I believe, among a small number of old school conservatives. I mean, more of them are in the Senate by the nature of the fact that senators can stay in office for six years at a time. Yeah. And the up up and coming people in the House, the majority of Republicans in the House, um, you know, are Trump are Trump supporters and Trump adherents. So it seems like they're taking a run in it right now, mm-hmm. people like Pence, people like McConnell, to try to rescue their party from the grasp of people beholden to Trumpism to the grassroots, specifically the grassroots that voted at the RNC and the grassroots out there who have, you know, co-opted the party into a kind of cult of personality of an idiotic, racist, sexist, authoritarian wannabe. Yeah. So this is what I think is happening right now. Now, do you think that there's maybe, because, because... The uh, thing that McConnell said, and we all know that that man does not, he's, he is completely self-serving. Um, you know, he, he came out and he said that it was a violent insurrection. 
do you think it's possible that they're aware uh, that, that there might be a smoking gun and then they're just trying to get on the right side? And then the second part to that question, because I asked Mary Trump earlier this week what she thought and she, it did, did she think it was going to be a split in the party? And she didn't necessarily think that the party was going to split. She basically thinks that, you know, McConnell is being careful and they're all being careful and they're trying to walk a fine line. But basically that in the end, that they're all going to, as they usually do, march in lockstep. Do you, what do you feel about that? Like, could, do you think there could be some like, oh, that's it, that, you know, that proves that he's guilty or something like that? Or do you think it's just a series of different things? And like what you were just saying, how um, the party kind of is is kind of split so there's a lot of stuff in there but let let me start with um i agree with mary no matter what the party officially is going to be in lockstep and that's why what mcconnell said remember he said when he was asked about the rnc vote he was particularly agitated (laughs) by the breaking of the republican code Mm -hmm. yes said Right? He said Republicans support, the party is supposed to support Republicans. Mm-hmm. And the idea that the party was going to censure Cheney and Kinziger, Kinziger, who are towing the party line, true believers in the positions of, at least before Trump, what the conservative movement espoused, that that's breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. And McConnell never kissed Trump's ring. But he understands his code, mm-hmm. and his code is he's going to if Trump, you know, if you're a Republican in power, he's going to use the presidency um, to try to accomplish the policy goals he wants to accomplish for the yes, you know, for the conservative movement. Mm-hmm. This is not an endorsement, mind you, of McConnell. I'm just right. reading to you my understanding. Yes, he never liked Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He held his nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus. You know, someone reminded me of this. Elaine Chow, um, several people reminded me. Elaine Chow, uh, Mitch McConnell's wife, was uh, wasn't she secretary of? Um, was it? I trans- want to say co- commerce. Yeah, or, um, I think it was commerce. And she reti- she was one of the people, including Betsy DeVos. Again, not an inf- endorsement of either of them, but they both resigned on January sixth. And I think, you know, they all held their nose enough, but mm-hmm. that was one, one step too much. Now, the bad thing about them all resigning is they were part of the cabinet and there was no way there was going to be a 25th Amendment vote without them around right. the pointies in the place. Right. But uh, at any rate, so um, so on the one hand, yes, everyone's going to fall in line. Right. But 2022, mm-hmm. we have a midterm coming up. And I think that what I do know is that twenty that they want to? Do, I think that I my theory is that there's internal polling, and they don't think. Oh, Trump I can see. Beat. Yeah, that makes sense. In 2024, I think 2022 they're going to be okay. I, don't, I think the, you know I think it's going to be a tight race no matter what. But 2024, if Biden actually is alive and runs, <laughs> and I mean that I don't mean that in a rude way. Right, I, mean, I know. Literally, Biden <laughs> will beat Trump again. Mm-hmm. Trump is not going to beat Biden. So they don't want Trump to run. Hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. trying to figure out That's interesting. how to disarm him now before it's too late. 
so let me ask you this. Do you think if uh, the nominee is DeSantis, do you think he has a chance at beating Biden? <laughs> There's a long pause uh, yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> out loud. Do you hear them? Can you hear them? Yes. <laughs> I mean, DeSantis, I believe, lacks the charisma necessary to win. I, and even I though yeah. I don't like Trump, he had the big brand name. People had an, a view of him mm-hmm. because it had been built up on television. Mm-hmm. And I don't see DeSantis, and I won't say who, I will not say who I think does because I don't want anyone to take my political advice. <laughs> but he is not the he's not the dude. Oh no, I'm so curious. Um, yeah, well, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> and I hope so. But and I also think it's like what you just said. Trump lost bigly right in 2020 and a lot of and the reason he lost was because he turned off his own party so many republicans either chose to vote for biden or they just didn't vote and so he's been impeached twice he was also in 2018 a whole bunch of democrats came out to vote and i think that we we've got a record of trump being a loser now like legitimately so they i think lost georgia yeah he lost georgia we have control of the senate we as democrats Right. Is because he messed up Georgia. Yeah. For them. Yes. And we also have better candidates, but the reality is he whined and whined and whined and whined <laughs> and showed up and it didn't help. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they and he's proven to his own party that he is a loser and so they don't Yeah, I mean that makes but sense to me. He's helpful in some in some cases, yes. but not how I think McConnell knows how to read read the numbers. Interesting. That's interesting. Um, do you, okay, I want to, obviously there's all this news that's coming out. Trump's eating his oh documents. He's flushing his documents. Um, so, By the way, that wasn't news. We knew he was eating the documents years ago. <laughs> we just didn't know about the flushing. You know? <laughs> Which, it, when you think about it, not to be crass, it was they were somehow getting flushed through the system anyway. So. Exactly, true. And then, um, <laughs> what was, is her name Sarah Cooper? Is that the woman who did all the great impressions of Trump? She actually did. Oh, right. <laughs> she did a thing, and, and she posted it today, where she, had, she was doing his talk about flushing toilets. Remember when he was all obsessed mm-hmm. with the water? And so in, in her little skit, she had documents in the toilet. So. Oh, my God. I forgot that. She was so funny. Oh, that was so awesome. Um, but real quick, I'm just curious. Now, we know that, you know, Maggie Haberman knew that he was doing what he was doing. And she's waiting to say she's saving it to put it in a book. Now, the same thing can be said for many people who have had um, up close personal experiences with the president and you know, they, they hold things back. Do you think it's right? Do you think it's okay for a journalist to, if they know of a, a felony and wouldn't, wouldn't be, wouldn't that be a felony? What he was doing, (laughs) getting rid of important White House documents and, you know, flushing them down the toilet. If she were aware of something like this, do you think she should do what she did? Is it okay what she did? Cause there's, she's getting a lot of crap on Twitter today from people. Um, what are your thoughts yeah, on everyone loves to, so here's the thing everyone loves to beat up on Maggie and so I, I here's what I'll say we knew this was ha- we knew that um, before I get to whether it's a crime or not or what the elements would be we all knew he was doing this there was something in 2018 mm-hmm. uh, you know about this you know there was Bill Barr who wasn't going to charge Trump but you know Merrick Garland took office um, in the spring of um, 2021, was it March? 
It's almost been a year. Yeah, right. He had the Mueller, he had the Mueller report handed to him. He can read the newspaper. <laughs> the, if Maggie Haberman can talk to folks, so can he. Mm-hmm. The newspaper said he was destroying documents. We had the article about people taping them together. Mm-hmm. So I, my, I, you know, the to me, Maggie doesn't doesn't need to be embarrassed. Journalists don't have to tell their sources. This was already out there. I don't mm-hmm. think she should have to feel bad because it's one thing if we didn't know he was chewing up documents or he was tearing them into pieces despite people telling him not to. It was right out there in the open. Yeah. And you know what? The statute of limitations hasn't run. If if this is really a concern, now it's out. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I know the book only comes out in October. Think about this. this she didn't have to reveal this now. Mm-hmm. She's revealed it right now. Mm-hmm. The book doesn't come out till October. So I've looked at the clock and it's February <laughs> and I don't think, you know, you know, Merrick Garland is, cause you feel free to, um, indict. Yes. So, and, and so like, you know, everyone's missing the point as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. I think she leaked this part of her own book early. Here it is. Let's see what happens. And she's smart to do it mm-hmm. because if it comes out in October, everyone's going to be pissed, but she does it now. <laughs> and you know, Go for it. And I have a statute for you if you want. Okay. <clears throat> 18 USC 2071, concealment, removal, or mutilation generally. And this says, there's two parts, and it says whoever willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, or destroys, or attempts to do so with an intent to do so, takes and carries away any record, proceeding, map, book, paper, document, or other thing, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on and on. Um, and the punishment is fine. Um, you can be fined or imprisoned uh, for not more than three years or both. There's also, if you've had custody of this um, and then you obliterate or destroy it, this is the most important thing. In addition to being fined, you shall forfeit your office Ooh. and be disqualified for holding any office under the United States. Now, you may say to me, was this person in custody of the records? Because that's key for keeping him out of office in the future, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm, he is under a different provision, 41 U.S.C. 1303. Um, he is um, in He is the custodian, I believe, of these records. And if you don't believe me, check out my um, my former um, law professor Larry Tribe's Twitter feed. So, mm-hmm. at any rate, the point I'm making <laughs> on all of this. Um, yeah, you know, good for Maggie for releasing this tidbit of information. I know it's going to increase book sales, but, you know, we live in a market economy. Mm-hmm. She's no different than anyone else. And, again, we knew this. And, if you know, if the Justice Department isn't out there already investigating this, because we already know about the National Archives stuff, mm-hmm. if they're not investigating him taking, um, carrying off and eating things and tearing them up, shame on them, not on yeah. Maggie. And that's a really good point, and I'm glad you're bringing that up because you know I know people, um, and I'm I have not. I'm so glad you asked me because I've been wanting to tweet that out, but that's like a lot of words. I don't think I can get 144 <laughs> characters. So, <laughs> well, sometimes I've I've said things about Maggie, and the point that you make though is very valid, and and I appreciate it. I genuinely. And especially I genuinely the other do. side, you know, I'm a law professor. Yes, of I'm course. <laughs> okay, uh, we have to take a quick break, and we will be back after this message. Hey, this is Kimberly. Real quick, if you're not already a patron of the show, please check out patreon.com slash startmeup. You'll see all the different tier options. I would really appreciate it if you check them out and become my patron. You'll have my undying gratitude. Thanks so much. 
Okay, we are back. And the one thing I want to ask you about is, so where is it? There's so many things. There's just so many things. I mean, we've got destroying documents, seizing voter machines, admitting he wanted Pence to overturn 2020. He told his his base to protest if he's indicted. So the question I want to ask you now is about Merrick Garland. I always talk about this and I ask everybody, where are your thoughts? I mean, I'm starting to get impatient now. Um, I was, ah! uh, I was, I've been impatient, but I'm I've... sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I just choked on my iced coffee. I'm just, go ahead. Um, well, I mean, I've, I've been trying to feel like, it's like, I don't know everything. I'm just a podcaster. I'm not a law professor. I'm not a lawyer. And I don't, you know, I saw how Merrick Garland handled Steve Bannon. And I was like, okay, he, he did what he needed to do in a timely manner. And so I wanted to trust that he was doing whatever he needs to do. Do you think that there is any kind of investigation going on? And what are your thoughts about Merrick Garland and the DOJ regarding uh, Trump's crimes and then people associated with him in his orbit? Okay, so my my thinking has um, has evolved. Um, you know, back when Merrick Garland was first appointed, I was, um, you know, I was quite uh, flabbergasted by his failure to act. I was very concerned. I think I wrote a piece um, for the Washington Monthly um, and wondered, I was very concerned that his, the noises he was making were, let's move, you know, it was kind of a move forward, let's mm-hmm. not be partisan um, kind of noises. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that, um, and I was concerned and disappointed um, that he, that I thought he wasn't he wasn't taking action. I think that um, I became um, more hopeful when he gave his speech, yes. um, right, that he has prepared remarks back um, in January, in mid-January, and they were like a day before um, that uh, we had Joe Biden um, get, give his talk about um, voting rights. And, you know, the, the, the problem here is um, there's, in terms of, um, we're, if the Democrats lose the House, then there's going to be, in November, mm-hmm. you know, then there's going to be a big problem come next January yeah. because whatever documents the House committee has gathered, you know, no one's going to hand them over. That committee is going to be ended and the public's attention is going to turn to something else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Garland will still be in power, but basically, you know, we're, we're the biggest problem we, we face right now is that the House and or the Senate are taken over by Republicans who are guided by protecting Trump and guided by suppressing votes mm-hmm. so that they can gerrymander and maintain their way of, of being a minority in control of the country, right? Yeah. And we have to remember the pop, where the popular vote was, which remember the Senate, uh, that, you know, that even though there's 50-50 in the Senate by population, that doesn't actually represent the public sentiment. So to me, I was, I, that's, I think the fact that he keeps raising the issue of voting rights is super important. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing he also said in his speech um, made me trust him because he he is going to follow the the money where it leads. He's going to follow the 
He charged these these folks from the Oath Keepers with seditious conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So whatever had went down on January 6th, he's going to look and find all the tentacles. He didn't promise to look to um, the other aspects of interfering in the election, including pressure, pressure on officials in Georgia. Mm-hmm. He didn't at that time say he was going to look at at that time, let me make it clear, because right. I don't think it was out yet in public. He didn't mention the fake, um, the fake uh, electoral college oh, right. certificates yes. at that time. Yeah, right. But that came out after. Mm-hmm. And so, what I do believe, I trust. Went up there. He's a man who doesn't speak unless he has to. Mm-hmm. And he went up there and he made a commitment. And I believe they really are investigating that. I also think that they are now investigating the fake electoral college certificates because I believe somebody, several somebody, is going to be charged with a violation of 18 U.S.C. 371 for a conspiracy to defraud the United States. Hmm. I think that's going to happen, and I don't know how, how high up it will go. Mm-hmm. The hardest problem is going to be um, proving uh, or, or showing any evidence that Trump was involved in any kind of agreement and I think that, um, you know, I think I think that you and I and all of us can look at this and say, you know, I think there's probable cause for these, which is enough to indict. And you might say, I think there's enough here for a jury um, to build something on circumstantial evidence to get to be on a reasonable doubt. But the third audience, and the third audience is the public. Mm-hmm. And I believe that having smoking more smoking gun evidence even if it's a witness, if it's a piece of paper that he didn't chew up, having something <laughs> tangible mm-hmm. is going to be necessary, I think, for the public. And I think he's thinking about public opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I could be wrong, but I trust him. Um, and I think that these um, I think that the, the path is going to be through these uh, these fake certificates. And, and, and mm-hmm. the more we see that Trump was involved in um, this and the voting machines, I think we just need. We just need some smoking. We just need some smoking guns here. And this was the problem in the first part of the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. You couldn't find evidence of an agreement um, uh, for the for the conspiracy. You could just find um, people acting to get the you know to ask for dirt on Hillary. You didn't find a conspiracy at all there. And um, although there was obstruction, I believe uh, according to the report, I think they're just. I think Garland and his people are working very very hard to get as hard concrete evidence as they can so this thing sticks but as i said destroying the documents is huge and that mm-hmm. might be why mcconnell and pence and all these right. folks that's concrete mm-hmm. and that could keep him out of office so that's oh where god. i think i'm hoping it goes oh my god that would be awesome now do you think with garland um and i get what you're saying i totally do i feel impatient because he's been because donald trump has been and you know what i'm going to say i was exactly where you were when i listened to what he had to say his public statement it's like all right he made the promise he said we're starting you know with it's the tentacles thing and we're working our way up and nobody's going to be um counted out of this it's, it's anybody involved so um yeah and i and i felt good and then as soon basically as he said that then Trump goes to his rally and he starts screaming yeah. about how he's going to, if he gets indicted, pardon everyone. Yeah, yeah. he's going to pardon everyone. Yeah. And if he gets indicted, there should be protests, which is basically he's calling uh-huh. for violence. Um, uh-huh. do, do you think that it, it, is there something Merrick Garland could say regarding the because because obviously the, the public 
at least on Twitter, which is not necessarily the public, it's part of the, pro- it's like the political junkies, we're all <laughs> screaming, you know, he's got to do something. Um, with, with all of this new information that's come out in the last couple of weeks, do you think that he's going to say anything about it or do you think he's just going to keep his head down and keep going? Anything about the about the document destruction? Yeah, well, yeah, just the latest thing with with Trump making those um, announcements, oh. rally, and all this stuff out that because it's making it's making a lot of people very uncomfortable, and they want to hear they want to hear that something's gonna uh, they, they want something from him, and and he hasn't said anything since that speech. Not that he you know should be coming out all the time, you but know, in light back of to the, like you know is, is that a, is is it dangling pardons and you know um, yeah of course, um, but I think that. At this point, I think I don't think he's going to speak to that, right? Okay. I just and, and, and I don't know, um, I, I don't know that he will. I think it would take, you know, if it happens, if it's more explicit. I mean, I, I just don't see Garland. Whether well, he should or shouldn't, I can't him see, cannot see him speaking right. to that. Yeah, I see I that. Think, yeah, you I know, see you I think Georgia. Oh, let me just say this other thing. Um, you know what I when I did the math in this recent piece for Washington Monthly, it seemed clear to me that you know even if tomorrow morning, uh, you know uh, the Department of Justice indicted Trump, we're not gonna you know you can an indictment can be challenged in court also. Yes. So you know this thing doesn't this thing it, it's not like suddenly you know it's not like a fairy t- it's not mm-hmm. it's not like um Scooby Doo. Right. <laughs> you know, where he's going to say, oh, I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for this meddlesome kids. You know, this will be so like, no, there's not. You need to this need, you know, that, that will you, you, the indictment will be challenged and that will go up to the court. Uh-huh. And then some, you know, this thing will drag and drag and drag, um, I think. Um, and I think it's best, you know, I best to to get you know th- th- to keep that in mind that nothing's going to happen you know it's going to drag out right and i think but i do think the the georgia thing to me shows more promise i don't i don't see how it'll be possible for um a grand jury not to indict him in fulton county yeah i just don't see unless they can't get these these folks to be witnesses mm-hmm. but that would be after the indictment. I mean, I, I, and I, I just don't see why he wouldn't be indicted there, but I could be, you know, I could be proven wrong. And as for New York, you know, I think I, I would be surprised if he's not indicted, um, in, uh, you know, by the Manhattan DA mm-hmm. and those things I think will happen imminently. Do you think by the with, summer. okay. I was just going to say, so you think now, do you think he's going to be charged with like racketeering or Rico stuff? Why? Why does everyone do talk about? You mean Rico with the state, state Rico, or do you mean federal Rico? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I keep seeing people talking about Rico racketeering charges, so I'm, I don't know. Well, Rico's, compl- <laughs> Rico's complicated because you, I, I don't know if I want to. I don't know this. I don't know the state Rico. Okay. Uh, stat, I don't know this Georgia Rico state Rico statute. I know the the federal one, and you need um, a pattern, and uh, it has to be um, sort of ongoing and I don't know whether you know I don't I mean I just don't know who's I don't know if there's a and it has to be an ongoing pattern and it has to be um, the underlying offense involves has to be one of the enumerated state or federal law offenses in the statute so I would have to like sorry to be a lawyer but I would have to actually <laughs> think about the specific things and think about given the case law given the how the statute is structured 
whether this would apply. And I have not done that particular analysis with regard to the um, the interference in the election of uh, 2020. But what about, because with the Manhattan DA, isn't aren't they looking at Trump's personal records, personal financial records? Uh, yes. So then that's business. What, yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Um, oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about, so it would be New York state Rico. Okay. Yeah, that, yes, 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 yes. And oh, I'm talking okay, about money to... laundering and Russian money laundering and all those kinds of things, whatever they might be finding in, in New York. Well, um, I'm not aware of any discussion by, by what we've seen in the cases, you know, how they came up, came up to the court of whether he had to, you know, co- the documents had to be handed over. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see anything in the cases that went up to the Supreme Court twice that they were looking at money laundering. Oh, okay. Maybe I looked at it. I, I didn't see that. I saw looking at bank fraud, looking at tax fraud, okay. looking at some business records fraud. But I didn't see anything mentioned state law RICO, but I could be wrong. Do you think and I didn't see? Do Go you ahead. do you think that it's possible he could be indicted and possibly arrest or not arrested, convicted? Um, of issues regard like because they always say that the mobsters don't get caught for the you know killing people and all the dirty crimes it's always for the money crimes it's always for tax evasion or something like that so number one do, do you think that that's possible that that could be the one of the things that he gets in big trouble for and then also do you think it's possible that a former United States president would ever be sentenced to prison um so I guess there's two. Th- I think that, right, two different questions. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think yeah. I think it's. Po- I think both are possible. But the question is, would the would it be um, like a prison sentence? It, it, um, could it be like home confinement as opposed right. to a prison? That sentence, would be more right? likely, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So he's stuck at Mar-a-Lago for the rest of his life. <laughs> Which yeah, is like, I mean, is I that really know. horrible? I mean, I just, I don't know what that. I don't know what that looks like, but. Um, you know, I you know, con artists are con artists. I run so when I wrote a, my book about the financial crisis, it was called Other People's Houses, and it was comparing the savings and loan debacle to the 2008 crisis. Mm-hmm. I uh, and this is well before obviously Trump rode down the escalator. That's why I spotted him from a mile away mm-hmm. as a con artist. Um, there was this guy who um, who was he operated the very first savings and loan um, to crash. In the ethanol crisis, it was called um, um, Empire Savings and Loan, of all things. <laughs> and um, his his name was Danny Faulkner, and he he was nicknamed the Condo King, and he was a sixth grade dropout. Um, and the most amazing thing about him is, you know, he's in prison, and his lawyers, you know, he's he's you know elderly, and his lawyers are arguing, you know, he's you know he said that he had. Um, you know that he had i think brain cancer hmm. and um yeah so he was released in, from prison having served only three years of a 20-year sentence hmm. he said he was diagnosed with an inoperable brain cancer and they said he had six months to live but he survived for 15 more years wow. and died of pneumonia and hospice and uh it's interesting that his family said you know maybe he lived that long because he just really loved people the survival because his love of people this was this con artist so wow. you know uh, you know the, 
I, I don't have a lot of, you know, I, you know, I don't care whether this man is incarcerated. I want them to take all of his money away. Yes, you know, definitely. And I think yeah. having his business, you know, his business was indicted in mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, and I think, but, you know, that's not how the system works. Unless there's a statute that, you know, he's not going to forfeit all of his assets. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not going right. to, the statutes specify how much fines are. You can't just bankrupt the dude even but you know but maybe he can bankrupt himself you know right but yeah the guy's really good at raising money because everyone thinks he's going to run for office again yeah um so you know he'll you know look he was kicked off twitter that's the worst <laughs> punishment this this guy probably will ever get sadly <laughs> oh god um do you think that the public hearings are going to make a difference and i mean that within public opinion uh-huh the you... public hearings are going to help um, diffuse the big lie. Okay. You got to have some public record because you know how our schools are like textbooks are going to like get rid of the fact that there was slavery and right. all these, yeah. you know, but if you have public hearings that are out there and people can always look at them years later, we need to create history now and nail it down now. And it will help, I think, currently, but I think it's also useful for the historical record. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, and I'm hoping, I mean, you know, Jamie Raskin said it was going to blow the roof off. I can't remember who it was, but I had a guest on here who kind of laughed at that and didn't think that's necessarily the case. But I think, I think I, I'm going to trust Jamie and say, I know that I don't know how the public is necessarily going to react, especially the public who is not paying a lot of attention. But these are the kinds of things that can, can get people because I, I look at myself when I was a young woman, I was not paying attention at all to politics I was, you know, an actor in Hollywood, and those are the things that I cared about. Um, sure, I, I of can, course. I can tell you, I mean, you know, going out with guys and buying new clothes and all this, all the surface stuff. Um, but I know that every time there was some kind of, um, my even my father worked for ABC News, and it was funny because I don't, do you remember the Scud Stud? Arthur, uh-huh. Arth, poor Arthur Kent. <laughs> no, Arthur Kent. No. <laughs> oh my God, he was a a journalist who I guess he was over um, at the Gulf War and he was a good looking guy and all the ladies fell in love with him. I was included in that, but um, <laughs> he got the he got the name Scud Stud, and it was so funny because my dad called from oh God I guess he was in Siberia, not Siberia. Uh, Sir, no, where was he? I can't remember the name of the place he was in, but it was a place next to where they were fighting, and um. Serbia. So, uh, it's not Serbia. No. I'm, I'm just, I can't think oh. of the name. It's driving me nuts. But anyway, he, my dad called me. You know, I'm like, I don't know, 21, 22 years old, whatever I was. And the first thing I ask him is Saudi Arabia. That's where he was, Saudi Arabia. Oh, so he yeah. calls me from Saudi Arabia. And I'm like, do you know Arthur, do you know Arthur Kent? That's all I care <laughs> about. But anyway, the whole point here is that I wasn't paying attention. But then, you know, you would you will, you have these sensational uh events whether it was the shock and awe or you know right. big deal things that would grab my attention so i am hoping that these public hearings are going to get the attention of people who normally don't pay any attention to this stuff but i think everybody was aware of donald trump no matter who you were whether you voted or not and everybody was also aware of how crude he is and so i think that it might serve you know, the the people who don't generally pay attention to politics, I think this might right. be something that that will bring them in. And also, 
it will go to the 11 o'clock news. And in many cases, that's where uh, a lot of people get their news if they're not like junkies. So here's here's hoping that that makes a difference. And so I have, okay, so I have two more questions for you. Number one, do you see a victorious path for Democrats this November? I do. I am trusting the people who look at the numbers, Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's going to be close, but I think it's going to require extraordinary effort Mm -hmm. to get out the vote. I absolutely agree. And, you know, I mean, I've been... The whole thing with the Voting Rights Act, and it's not passing, and now we're not even talking about it, it's been freaking me out. But um, I do think that with all of the the energy and, and the just like these public hearings, I think there's going to be some momentum. I just hope that everybody who's listening to this podcast, I wish it were millions because I would love to get this message out to millions, but it's like, take on a winning attitude. Let's not take on the negative. Let's not make any negative assumptions. Angry. Angry. Let me just be clear. I, I have a negative. I'm furious and I want right. anger to propel people to a place. Yes, 100%. This is not a democracy. Yes. This is not democratic. The vote's being crushed. Mm-hmm. I'm not, this is not happy talk. This is, we're going to pull it out and we're going to fight right. all the way to, to get this done. We have to push hard. Well, yeah, and I totally agree. But it's like, what I don't like is people who are just like saying, we're going to lose. It's like, don't take that on. It, this is not easy. Right. And, and, you right. know, winning won't be an easy feat. But on the other hand, we still, like right now, we have that option to win. And, right. you know, we only have a limited time. And so get your get your plan ready. Make sure you know what you're doing. And, you know, understand in your state what the restrictions are and how you can overcome them. There's so much time to plan right now. I know everybody, you know, there are people, there's this woman that I know, she works at my grocery store and she works seven days a week. And she always makes sure, she, I mean, I live in a blue state, so it's not that difficult, but she always, she, like, we always talk about politics and she's like, I've got a plan. I know my plan. She works seven days a week, so she has to have a plan. So it's like, if she can do it, everybody else can do it. <laughs> and then the last thing that I'm going to ask you is, what do we have to be hopeful about? We have the end, hopefully, of the most brutal part of the pandemic. Oh, yes. And to be hopeful about and a better understanding and care for people who are immune compromised Mm -hmm. and fragile and thinking about ways to build family and to build work um, and community to make sure we can stay healthy Mm -hmm. and happy. I think we have that to look forward to i think the arts are going to flourish and i think we are going to get to the other side of this uh worldwide um white supremacy fascist movement not right away Mm -hmm. things you know this didn't come here overnight um and we're going to together move toward in my lifetime i'm still young so this isn't tomorrow Mm -hmm. we're going to move toward america being truly a diverse multiracial democracy and it's going to be a bumpy ride but we are going to get there i'm not even kidding you're making me cry and i mean and part of the reason you're making me cry is because i'm extremely emotional these days and it's like everything freaks me out but that that like literally teared me up when you were saying that and i'm grateful that you're saying that because it's just you know i know i speak for many um excuse me i hate when i cry that that these times are just so trying they're so stressful and every single day 
I swear to God, I didn't mean to cry. But that was that was so moving. And when you said it, it was like I could feel, especially this this pandemic. You know, um, this morning I was talking to my mother and I was just I was so upset. And I was like, I, I feel like I'm anticipating. I feel I don't know how to describe it, but like I feel like a little slight anxiety, but it's like I'm, I'm anticipating something, but I don't know what I'm anticipating. And I hope that it means that I'm sensing the end of this pandemic, at least the worst part of it. And so when you said that, it just was like, <laughs> it was like, oh, I just welled up and, and, and the white supremacy thing too. And, and I just, oh my God, I'm so grateful just for those words because they, they resonated oh. with me and, it, and I just, I want you to be right. <laughs> and I think you are. <laughs> Let's keep the conversation going. We are on a long time horizon, but together I really believe we, we can do this. And you've been through what you're experiencing is PTSD. Yeah. There is so much trauma and we all need so much rest and we need real, really to listen to each other and hear each other. Yes, it is totally PTSD. Oh my God. Well, I'm just so grateful. First of all, thank you for being on the show and putting up with my technical issues today. Is <laughs> there a pain? But thank you. And um, before I let you go, tell everybody where they can find you. Sadly, 24 7 almost. Um, <laughs> you can find me most of the day on Twitter. Me too. My Twitter handle is at Jen Taub. That's at J E N. T-A-U-B, again, J-E-N-T-A-U-B. And if I'm not on Twitter, I'm doing the Wordle. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Have you heard of Absurdle? Mm-mm. Okay, you got to go to Absurdle. It's great. My mother told me about it, and it's endless tries. Like, like you get, or I should say, endless um, games per day. You're not limited to one. Oh, I don't want that. That's a oh. problem. Oh, really? <laughs> I know, because then you'll never stop. But it's slightly different than Wordle. It's similar, but it's different. I think the average is you get in seven. Um, and I and I don't really understand it fully, other than it's so much like Wordle. Something that my mother says this, there was something in the algorithms that could change the word. I don't even know what she's talking about, but I played it today. I played it multiple times today, and I, it was just like average was about seven. But if you're like getting that Wordle, you need that fix. Absurdle is great. So just FYI. And I love Wordle uh, too. Thank you. <laughs> I, know, I, I know. Now you're going to be like cursing me. <laughs> Damn, Kimberly. Um, okay, exactly. so <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. My books are on Amazon. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It was great talking to you. You too. Have a great day. Bye-bye.